Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crime and Calamity podcast. My name is Kendall, and today we are going to be talking about one of the most famous true crime cases to date, and that is the case of Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, which is probably what you've heard of her as. Now, originally, I did not want to do this case. I didn't want to do the research. I didn't want to do a damn thing about this case. And that's for a pretty specific reason. Um, I've actually even avoided most videos on it. I think I've watched maybe one or two, but I never got myself like super mentally involved. I never did a whole bunch of research or watched tons of documentaries about it. I never did that. I think I've watched one movie about it that was like loosely based on the case. And then I've watched maybe one or two like 10 minute long videos. And that's pretty much it. And the reason for this is because it was so highly sensationalized that it literally numbed me out to it. I just didn't even want to hear about it. I didn't care. And it's not that I didn't care about what happened to her. It's more so that I didn't care for the way the media handled this situation. And we will absolutely get into why. Now let's talk about why I decided to do the podcast on it anyways and actually do the research and actually really get myself involved in the case and how, how what happened and have opinions and all of that good stuff is specifically because I think it brings up the amazing point of how big of a role media can play in true crime cases and how they can spectacularly fuck up the entire situation. I am of the firm opinion that the entire reason that this case itself is not solved is the media's fault. And that's a harsh opinion to take, and I will get into more on why I believe that. However, first, we need to do the quick disclaimer that in this episode, we are going to be talking about some pretty graphic and disturbing content. And if you are not up for that kind of thing, totally fine. I get it. The reason that this caught the public eye as it did was because it was graphic and very much gruesome. So everyone who's here for it, everyone who's ready to hear me rant about this a little bit, uh, let's jump right in. So we got to start with the background. Who is the Black Dahlia? Elizabeth Short is the Black Dahlia. She was born... July 29th in 1924, the third of five daughters in the Short family. She was raised in Portland, Maine, and her father built miniature golf courses up until the stock market crash in 1929. The stock market crash is better known as the start of the Great Depression, and that is why her family lost all of their money. This is when Elizabeth was fairly young, by the way. Now, in 1930, Elizabeth's father's car was found abandoned, and it was believed that he had committed suicide. This this was pretty well believed and easy to believe, specifically because during the Great Depression specifically, especially when everyone was losing money and all of that, I mean, middle class families were homeless at this point because they just couldn't stay afloat because of how bad the economy was. I mean, people were losing job jobs and businesses were closing. And because people were losing jobs and businesses were closing, people couldn't make money to feed into businesses, which closed down more businesses. It was this horribly vicious cycle, and a lot of the time, the reason you saw these suicides happen is because of people's life insurance policies. Fathers would care so much for their families that they would kill themselves just so that their life insurance money would go to their family so that their family could survive. And that's so sad. I found that a very interesting fact when I learned about this in high school and a bit in college. It's just really heartbreaking, and I wanted to bring up that that's why this is so easy to believe. So, believing her husband to be dead, Elizabeth's mother moved the family of all girls into an apartment in Medford where she worked as a bookkeeper to support the girls. Now, awesome mom move. What a bad bitch. She says, fuck that. I'm not sitting down here waiting for a man to come save me. I'm going to get my ass up and I'm going to support my family, which she did. And it was so awesome. Now, about 12 years later... Uh, in the later months of 1942, Elizabeth's mother received an apology letter from her husband, who had been presumed dead for the last 12 years, stating that he was now living in California. So not dead. Uh, he did not sacrifice himself for his family. He instead faked his own death and left. So there's that, I suppose. At 18 years old, Elizabeth relocated to Vallejo, California, and if you uh, did watch last week's episode, you would know that that is where some of the Zodiac killings took place, which I found very interesting. So she relocated, relocated to Vallejo to live with her dad, who had not seen her in 12 years. However, because of the arguing that went on quite a bit between her and her dad, Elizabeth moved out pretty quick, like a couple months later. I think she moved in in December and then was out by the end of January so very clearly wasn't the best environment 
So shortly after moving out, Elizabeth took a job at Camp Cook doing work in base exchange. I don't know what that is, but that's what it said. And I wanted to tell you what Elizabeth's life was like. She lived with her friends and Firefly with an Air Force sergeant who allegedly abused her. So that's super fun. I don't know if they were necessarily together or anything. I don't know if it was like a boyfriend situation or if it was just someone she was living with. But the guy beat the shit out of her. What an asshole. And because Elizabeth was caught for underage drinking later in that year, she was forced to move away from California because, yes, she was caught drinking in a bar and she was not of age. Clearly, she was like 18 or 19. She moved to Florida, where she had previously spent colder months to avoid chronic sickness as she got cold weather. So cold weather really, like, I think she said she had chronic bronchitis. And every single winter, she would get crazy sick. So growing up, she would always spend all of her, like, or not summertime, but wintertime in, like, Miami. I think it was Miami, Florida. But she would go down there with family and spend that there so she wouldn't get as sick. Which, you know, so she went there. Then she relocated back to Los Angeles a few months later in July of 1946 and worked as a waitress there for the remaining six months of her life while she pursued her dream of becoming an actress. So that's who she is. She's this inspired, hardworking woman who just wants to pursue her dreams. She's been beaten, she's been bruised, and she keeps getting back up again, which is so awesome. And you know, that's that's how she spent her last six months was auditioning and working hard. And, you know, that's where we kind of get that trope of you know, that that in New York or in L.A. working as a waitress to reach your dreams, paying your dues. And that's what she was doing. And I think it's very important that we talk about who she was as a person because of how sensationalized this was by the media. I think that people know her more as the Black Dahlia than they do as her being Elizabeth Short the person she was, not the victim she was. And that's why I wanted to take some time at the beginning of this podcast to truly talk about who Elizabeth was and how inspiring she was and how hardworking she was and how much she just, she really had dreams, you know? Like every person, she had dreams, aspirations, goals. She was persevering throughout her life that had not been easy and was in LA doing the things she wanted to do all for it to come to an end because some asshole decided that what he wanted was more important than what her life meant. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, that little miniature tangent, sorry, this, the whole media aspect of this really does make me mad and we will continue to talk about it throughout this episode. We're going to talk about the murder itself. Now, uh, on January 9th, of 1947 elizabeth returned to los angeles home after a brief trip to san diego with her 25 year old boyfriend who was married at the time robert manley who is the boyfriend stated that he dropped elizabeth off at the baltimore hotel to meet with her sister who was visiting town that afternoon now some reports place her at the hotel in the hotel lobby and then shortly after it was supposed that she was seen by customers of a grill cocktail lounge downtown called crown grill and it was about 0.4 miles away from the baltimore hotel on the morning of january 15th 1947 elizabeth's naked body was found severed into two pieces on a vacant lot on the west side of south norton avenue midway between Coliseum Street and West 39th Street in Lamert Park, Los Angeles. Like I said, this is, it's pretty damn gruesome. She was found by a woman named Betty Bersinger, who was living in the neighborhood at the time, and she discovered the body about 10 a.m., yeah, nice fucking wake-up call, while walking with her three-year-old daughter traumatizing by the way how fucked up is it that like one of your formative memories is going to have to be fucking discovering the first major true crime case to ever sweep the fucking nation it's ridiculous bursinger initially thought that she had found a discarded store mannequin when she realized that it was a corpse she rushed to a nearby house and telephoned the police i've actually heard that a lot in cases where we talk about like the person who found the body initially and people saying that it looked like a mannequin or they thought it was a mannequin, which is kind of creepy to me because I think mannequins kind of freak me the fuck out anyways. But that's not the point. The point is that she saw something 
realized it was Elizabeth's corpse and rushed to a house, called the police. So, second warning, we're going to start talking about Elizabeth's body and how she was found. Elizabeth's body was severely mutilated. She had her body severed in half at the waist. And she was incredibly pale due to the loss of blood, clearly. And it was estimated that she had been dead for about 10 hours upon being discovered. The killer washed the body with gasoline and slashed Elizabeth's mouth from ear to ear, which created a wound commonly referred to as the Glasgow smile. So that's kind of gross. If, For example, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say Glasgow smile, a little bit of imagery for you. Have you ever seen The Dark Knight where the Joker is talking about how he got the scars around his mouth and how he slashed his mouth to make it look like he was smiling. It's like that, which is so scary, creepy. Ugh, it just, ugh, it, like literal shivers. It freaks me out. She had several cuts on her thighs and breasts, and the lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the top half of her. And her intestines were neatly tucked underneath her in order to hide them. So this was very clearly on purpose, you know, like he took his time, he washed her up and he staged her. Speaking of staged, Elizabeth's corpse had been purposely posed by the killer with her hands above her head, her elbows bent at right angles and her legs spread apart. So a gross sight. I know that's pretty graphic and it gives you quite a bit of imagery on how she looked, which is yikes, you know, I get it. Super gross, super uncomfy, super gruesome, I know. And now you can understand why the media really fucking took a hold of this. I mean, this shit spread like wildfire. Pretty quickly after her body was discovered, reporters and onlookers gathered to see her body, and reporters took pictures to be published in the papers. Yes, because that's respectful. Like, she wasn't a whole-ass human being before she was your fucking story, but okay. I think that's super disrespectful to like sit there and actually take pictures of a dead body just so you can publish it and make a little bit of money. I think that's really gross. I think it's immoral. I think it's wrong. And near the body, detectives located a heel print on the ground amid the tire tracks and a cement sack containing watery blood was also found nearby. Elizabeth was originally unidentified. Like they had no idea who she was. It was a Jane Doe situation until after the autopsy when they they took her fingerprints and they were matched to her identity it was then found in that same autopsy that she had likely been sexually assaulted due to the state of her genitals but no sperm cells were found so man uh girl was beaten to shit uh they they say that the cause of death was cerebral hemorrhaging which usually comes from being hit over the head so what what they kind of think happened is that she got hit and sexually assaulted probably while she was incapacitated and then the the deed was done when when she was dead they eviscerated her they cut her in half at the waist and they drained her of most of her blood and cleaned her up the reason they used gasoline to wash her was specifically so that they could destroy any you know evidence which apparently worked very well This is where it gets fucking annoying. Immediately following Short's identification, reporters from William Randolph Hart's Los Angeles Examiner contacted her mother in Boston. Now, did they ask her about her daughter's death? No. Did they tell her that her daughter had died? No. What they did was tell her that her daughter had won a beauty contest. It was only after sucking as much personal information about Elizabeth that they could from Phoebe, who is Elizabeth's mother, that the reporters revealed that her daughter had in fact been murdered and that they were lying to her. Imagine how fucking disgusting of a person you have to be to call someone who doesn't know that their child has passed away and pretend like they're alive just so you can get information on her just so that you can ask questions do you understand how like nasty that is and if you don't like honestly please god click out unfollow me block me i don't want to be cool with anybody who thinks that that's anywhere near okay the newspaper offered to pay her airfare and accommodations if she would travel to los angeles to help the police with the investigation on her daughter 
I fucking can't imagine. That was yet another ploy because they're assholes since the newspaper kept her away from the police and other reporters to protect the information given as their own. So they flew her in and then were like, we're not going to aid the police. What we're going to do is we're going to get the story first because fuck the cops. So we want we want to make our coin. So that's what we're going to do. And that's going to be more important to us than the actual investigation and anything that could actually help her killer be found. Whatever, whatever. Then the Examiner and another Hearst newspaper, the Los Angeles Herald Express, later sensationalized the case with one article from the Examiner describing the black tailored suit that Short was wearing as a tight skirt and a sheer blouse. So here comes the slut shaming. Love that. The media nicknamed her the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventuress who prowled Hollywood Boulevard. Additional newspaper reports, such as one published in Los Angeles, on January 17th, deemed the murder a sex fiend slaying. So now, not only have they exploited her family and taken pictures of her dead body before an investigation had even fucking begun, but now they are openly calling her a whore and sexualizing the murder instead of being helpful or doing any actual fucking journalism. Super gross. Anyways, on January 21st of 1947, a person claiming to be Short's killer placed a phone call to the office of James Richardson, who is the editor of The Examiner, congratulating Richardson on the newspaper coverage of the case and stated that he planned on eventually turning himself in, but not before he let the police pursue him further. So basically, the guy contacts him and says, I'm going to turn myself in. However, I'm not going to do it yet because... I want attention and this is fun. So do we know whether or not this is him? Listen in. The caller told Richardson to expect pieces of Elizabeth Short in the mail. Fuck. On January 24th, a suspicious manila envelope was delivered to by a U.S. Postal Service worker. The envelope had been addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers with individual words that had been cut and pasted from newspaper clippings. Additionally, a large message on the envelope read, Here is the Dahlia's belongings letter to follow. So, clearly, because this got sensationalized, the killer is now reveling in the attention. And instead of contacting the police, he is contacting papers, which is a clear sign of what? It's not guilt. It's not him apologizing for killing someone and him actually wanting atonement. What he actually wants is the attention that he's getting. Therefore, he is not fucking sorry. The envelope contained Short's birth certificate, business cards, photographs with names written on pieces of paper, and an address book with the name of Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. The packet had been clearly and carefully cleaned with gasoline exactly like short's body was which led police to suspect that the packet had actually been sent by the by the killer himself fucked up so this person is now like i have her shit so why not fuck with them despite the efforts to clean the packet several partial fingerprints were lifted from the envelope and sent to the fbi for testing however the prints were compromised in transit and they couldn't be properly ammonized? Wow. (laughs) Analyzed. The same day the packet was received by the examiner, a handbag and a black suede shoe were reported to have been seen on top of a garbage can in an alley, a short distance from Norton Avenue, which was two miles from where Short's body had been discovered. The items were then recovered by police, but they had also been wiped clean with gasoline, which destroyed all the fingerprints. So fucking useless. Again, just for attention. Then on March 14th, an apparent suicide note scrawled in pencil on a bit of paper was found tucked in a shoe in a pile of men's clothing by the ocean's front at the foot of Breeze Avenue in Venice. The note read, To whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary. And that's it. 
so did this person actually kill themselves who the fuck knows the pile of clothing was seen first by the beach caretaker who reported the discovery to a lifeguard captain his name was john dylan and he immediately notified it the uh lapd of the situation which was like captain ellie christensen i believe is the captain and the clothes included a coat and trousers of blue herringbone tweed which of course it's fucking tweed sorry i I have a problem with tweed i don't know why it's an issue a brown and white t-shirt and white jockey shorts tan socks and tan moccasin leisure shoes about size eight the clothes gave absolutely no clue or i like identity of the owner police quickly decided that mark hansen who was the owner of the address book that was found in the packet so like with the shit that was elizabeth's so they decided hansen was a suspect obviously Hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theater owner and had a lot of acquaintances at whose home Short had stayed with friends. And according to some sources, he was also confirmed to have had the, pl- the person's shoe that was discovered in the alley that were, in fact, Short's. Ooh. So they were in his possession at some point, most likely. And he was able to, like, identify that they were hers for the police. So, that's, like, obviously a little suspicious. It's a little uncomfy. Uh, Ann Toth, Short's friend and roommate, told investigators that Short had recently rejected sexual advances from Hansen and suggested that it was a potential cause for him to kill her. However, he was cleared of any suspicion in the case. I don't really know why he was cleared. It never really said why he was cleared. Because I feel like he's kind of important to look into. But also, like, honestly, it feels too cut and dry. Like, why would he send in his own address book? Like, he if he didn't want to be caught, like, why the fuck would he do that? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I don't really think it was him. I feel like it deserved a little more looking into, but it doesn't seem like it got any of that. Uh, in addition to Hanson, the police also interviewed over 150 men in the ensuing weeks who they p- assumed were potential suspects. Christ almighty, my guy. It's kind of ridiculous. Anyways, <laughs> fucking, I don't know, man. Like, all of this is just crazy to me. I This case is so ridiculous. So, 150 men in ensuing weeks were suspected of everything that happened. Police also interviewed several people found listed in Hansen's address book, including Martin Lewis, who had been an acquaintance of Elizabeth's. Lewis was able to provide an alibi, though, because he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law, who was dying. Super sad. Sorry, my guy. Uh, A total of 750 investigators from the LAPD and other departments worked on the case during its initial stages. That's a fuckload of people. And I don't know. There's something about that that just, like, rubs me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, there was 400 sheriff's deputies and 250 California state patrol officers bro like i don't know about all that you know what i mean i just i feel like that many people it's so easy to fuck up the chain of command and it's so easy to like you know i I get that they were trying to put a lot of manpower on it to figure out who it was but i feel like that probably was not super productive like it probably got a lot of shit done but it probably wasn't done like exactly the way it should have been in my opinion uh city councilman lloyd g davis posted a ten thousand dollar reward for information leading police to shorts killer now think about this uh ten thousand dollars in the 40s is much different now so i i looked up what the equivalent would be and it's a hundred and fourteen thousand dollars and five hundred like a hundred fourteen thousand five hundred and one dollars exactly holy shit like that's a lot of money uh for information leading to shorts killer after the announcement of the reward a lot of fucking people came forward with confessions of course which most were deemed false and several of the false confessors were actually charged with obstruction of justice fucking good for the cops good for you because oh my god it's kind of insane to me how many people are so attention starved that they're like let me just ex- let, let me just like claim that I, t- I i murdered somebody let me go to prison for life all because i want the attention of the situation like what the fuck that's mental illness my guy on january 26th another letter was received by the examiner this time uh handwritten which read here it is turning in witness day 
Wednesday, uh, January 29th, 10 a.m. Yes, he said Wednesday twice. Had my fun at police. Black Dahlia Avenger. Black Dahlia Avenger. Okay, Tony Stark, chill out. The letter also named a location at which the killer was supposed to turn himself in. However, uh, they waited at that location on the 29th where he said to be, but the alleged killer did not appear. Instead, at 1 p.m., the examiner office received another cut-and-pasted letter which read, I have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. The fuck? How is that justified? How are you sitting there like this This woman who just most likely didn't do a fucking thing. Like, I really could not find a damn thing that proved that she was a bad person in any fucking way. I mean, some people claimed some wild shit, like saying that she was a prostitute and that she was all sorts of things. I think somewhere in here, someone says that she was like a lesbian or something. Which we'll get into later because it's just so weird. People were just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck and it, nothing was sticking. Uh, the graphic nature of the crime and subsequent letters received by the examiner had resulted in a massive media uh, frenzy, if I could read, surrounded by Short's murder. So, shit, you know? Uh, they've decided that because of all of this correspondence and all of this shit, how crazy it would be that this would happen, that they were just going to create this absolute fucking shit show. And that's what they did. So both local and national publications covered the story heavily, many of which reprinted sensationalistic reports suggesting that Short had been tortured for hours prior to her death. This is where I'm talking about all the shit that, like, they peddled to the public that was bullshit. That wasn't true. That's not what happened. She was not tortured for hours. The information was completely false. However, the police allowed the reports to circulate so as to conceal what actually happened because they were getting a lot of false confessions. So I can see how that could kind of help. They're like, mm, that way we know that if someone comes in and confesses to torturing her, that they only heard it from the media. Da -da -da -da. Her actual cause of death, again, cerebral hem hemorrhage was hidden. Further reports about Short's personal life were public, like publicized majorly. Of fucking course they were. Including details about her alleged declining of Hans's, Hansen's romantic advances. Additionally, a stripper who was an acquaintance of Short told the police that she liked to get guys worked up over her, but then she'd leave them hanging dry. So they're like, oh, so she's a tease. Now, do you want to know what people took from that? Like I said earlier... It led reporters to look into the possibility that she was a lesbian. And they began questioning employees of gay bars <laughs> to see if she had been there. I don't want to be that bitch. But you're telling me <laughs> that because a woman didn't want to sleep with every dude she flirted with, you're telling me that because she turned down a man's sexual advances, how dare she? How did the only explanation, not that she's not interested in them, not that maybe she's saving herself, maybe like she just doesn't want to have sex with them. Like, you, you know what I mean? Flirting without any real commitment to it. You're telling me that because of that, that makes her gay? <laughs> Why does it matter if she's gay anyways? <laughs> and she wasn't. This was all unsubstantiated. There was no, nobody had ever seen her at a gay bar fucking nothing the only thing they went off was because a straight man was like yeah dude like I, i've tried to fuck her and she wouldn't let me so i just don't understand how dumb <laughs> every day i understand why other women hate men i wish i did i just don't <laughs> uh again unsubstantiated she wasn't a lesbian the herald express also received several letters from the pur purported killer so who says that they're the killer, but now there's not really any, you know, there's no real proof at this point. Like, he's not adding any more of her belongings, so we don't really know if it's actually him. However, it was made with cut-and-paste clippings like the other ones, which said things like, I will give up on Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. Like, don't look for me. Shit like that. Just basic shit. On February 1st, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that the case had no new leads, which was true. The examiner continued to run stories on the murder after the, and the investigation that was going on for 35 days following the discovery of the body. 35 days. Holy shit. That's quite a while to run the same story, but I guess that, you know, this was a big deal. 
When interviewed, lead investigator Captain Jack Donahue, uh, he told the press that he believed Short's murder had taken place in a remote building or shack on the outskirts of Los Angeles and that her body had been transported into the city where it had been disposed of. So he's thinking, you know, secluded building somewhere where, you know, people aren't going to find her or hear her because there's no way she wasn't, you know, yelling at that point because, I mean, she was sexually assaulted and all of that. Uh, based on the precise cuts and dissection of uh, Short's corpse, the LAPD were looking into the possibility that the murderer might have been a doctor, surgeon, or someone with other medical knowledge. In mid-February of 1947, the LAPD served a warrant to the University of Southern California Medical School, which was pretty close to where Short's body was discovered, and they wanted a complete list of the program students so that they could kind of, you know, vet them, look into them, which is kind of interesting because this is much before, like, profiling, so I find it interesting that they really were just kind of putting together this makeshift profile of people who might have done it. The university agreed so long as the students' identities identities remained private and background checks were conducted. However, nothing came of this, obviously, because they were just kind of throwing shots in the dark and nothing was happening. In September of 1949, a grand jury convened to discuss inadequacies in the LAPD's homicide unit based on their failure to solve numerous murders, especially those of women and children in the past several years, and Shorts was one of them. Big yikes. So LAPD was under fire. Uh, this is also kind of the time where LAPD was a little bit, you know, not super reliable and moral a bit corrupt you might say I don't know I've done some like research on the times and as far as I've seen there was quite a bit of corruption within uh like LAPD and all of that in the aftermath of the grand jury further investigation was done on Short's past with detectives tracing her movements between Massachusetts California and Florida and also interviewed people who knew her in Texas and New Orleans However, nothing useful was found in, in relation to the murder. They were literally throwing everything at the wall. They were trying so hard to figure out who the fuck did this. And there was nothing. Like, there was just absolutely no fucking proof of what happened, which is so heartbreaking. I mean, she deserved justice, you know? It's just a little crazy to me. So, yeah. That's, that's the murder. That's the murder. That's the investigation. That's the correspondence we got. Now we're going to jump right into theories and suspects before we do get into my final thoughts and my final big long rant about how much the media pisses me off when it comes to true crime. During the initial investigation into her murder, police received a total of 60 confessions, most made by men. That's a lot of fucking people that want attention. Since that time, over 500 people have confessed to the crime, and this is what fucking gets me. Like, it's it's not, like, this is this case is not funny. The case isn't funny. But the fact that some of those people, like, quite a few, were people who weren't even fucking alive <laughs> when the crime happened. It's like, what? There's people out there who confessed to this crime when they weren't even alive when it happened. What? What? Not, not to mention the people who were, like, children when it happened saying that they did it. No, you did not. Shut up. Shut up. You're so unhelpful. In 2003, uh, Ralph Asdell, who worked the case originally, told the Times that he was pretty sure that he had interviewed Short's killer, who was this man who had been seen with his car parked near the vacant lot where her body was discovered around the time she may have been discarded. So, you know, that might have deserved a little more looking into how how they didn't look further into that i don't know i guess the owner of the sedan was followed to a local restaurant where he worked but was ultimately cleared of suspicion again they never really tell you how they got cleared which leads me to believe they didn't really do their job as well as they should have in my opinion that's usually why this kind of shit happens just saying it's usually like media fault or fault of the police no hate no I, we're not going to get into my uh police opinions here but they dropped the ball quite a fucking bit so there's that do with that information what you will uh police also came to consider a man named george hill hoddle jr a suspect after 1947 murder of elizabeth short so he was never formally charged with the crime although he was very widely believed to have been the killer and it even it, it got much much bigger when after his death his son said his son Steve Hoddle by the way is his name uh 
he's a Los Angeles homicide detective. He wholeheartedly believes that his father killed Short and committed several additional murders, which is kind of wild. I actually low-key agree with this theory. So prior to the Dahlia case, he was also a suspect in the death of his secretary named Ruth Spaulding, but he was also never charged for that. And he was also accused of raping his own daughter. So obviously he was a huge fucking piece of shit. Uh, he fled the country several times, a.k.a. he was a guilty bitch, and spent most of 1950 to 1990 in the Philippines. So, I'm just saying the vibe is not good with this one. Additionally, when Steve implicated his father, he cited that his father had training as a surgeon. And that's really circumstantial, I get that, but, you know, that's that's there's the medical understanding and the surgical shit and how he was able to cut her in half and all that good shit. Not good shit. Good is a bad word for that. You know what I mean. In 2003, it, re it was revealed that notes from 1949 grand juries reported that investigators had wiretapped his home and obtained recorded conversation of him and an unidentified visitor saying, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't even talk to my secretary because she's dead. So... I think I think it's this guy. I, I you know that that I'm I'm getting the vibe that this man probably killed Elizabeth. Uh, tons of true crime authors, along with the, a detective from Cleveland, actually believe that Elizabeth was possibly linked to the Cleveland torso murders. This one's definitely one I'm gonna have to cover on this podcast because it's an interesting, interesting one. Uh, the Cleveland torso murders were this series of killings between 1935 and 1938, where this serial killer, who was also identified and known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, who was another unsolved serial killer, he murdered and dismembered at least 12 victims that people know of, and only two of which were ever, like, positively identified, like, who they were in general. So... You know, dismemberment, shit like that. People do agree that she was probably one of his victims. I don't know about all of that. It feels like another shot in the dark to me. I don't really see any, like, substantial evidence that proves that she was, in fact, a part of this. So, I don't think so. But other people have different opinions. I totally understand. I would be more than willing to look further into that as an option when I do do the research and stuff for the Cleveland Torso Murders. And I'll probably bring it up again in that podcast. Anyways, um, crime authors, again, such as Steve Hoddle and William Rasmussen, have also suggested a link between the short murder and the 1946 murder and dismemberment of six-year-old Susan Degnan in Chicago, Illinois. This Captain Donahoe of the LAPD stated publicly that he believed that the Black Dahlia and the Chicago lipstick murders were likely connected. So that's another fucking... A bunch of shit. They're honestly, honest to God. I really don't think they have any idea. I think they're just like, well, this guy killed people, so maybe him. Shit like that. Um, and, like, what's crazy is, like, why the Chicago lipstick murders, bro? Like, why? Like, Chicago and L.A., you know? But okay, I guess. Um, among the evidence cited is the fact that Short's body was found on Norton Avenue, three blocks west of Degnan Boulevard. Degnan being the last name of the girl from Chicago, which is literally just another fucking shot in the dark. There were also striking similarities. This is where it kind of makes some sense. Uh, it says there were striking similarities between handwritten notes between the Degnan ransom note and the Black Dahlia Avenger. Both texts use a combination of capital and small letters. And the note in the Degnan case, the ransom note, read, Burned this for her safety. And both notes contain a similar misshapen letter P. And have one word that matches exactly. So, you know, that is pretty compelling. But again, handwriting is handwriting. And I can't, like, definitively decide just based on handwriting whether or not someone is killing all these fucking people. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion. I, I do think it is compelling, though. Convicted serial killer William Heron served life in prison for Degnan's murder. Initially arrested at 17 for breaking into a residence close to that of Degnan's. And the guy claims that he was tortured by police, forced to confess, and made a scapegoat for the murder. Which, again, would not be that fucking shocking. Let's be real. Police aren't known for being super duper moral. Especially not in those times. Like, you know, we hear a lot of stories of corruption around then. Which I've already brought up. But, I don't know. I think that's really interesting. And I'd like to go further into that at some point when I can do a little more 
digging on that kind of shit uh in 1991 janice knowlton a woman who was 10 years old at the time of short's murder claimed that she witnessed her father beat short to death with a claw hammer in the detached garage of her family's home this one's bullshit <laughs> like this one's just straight up bullshit she published a book titled daddy was the black dahlia killer in 1995 in which she made additional claims that her dad sexually molested her what I think and what most people think. So Janice's sister says that that's completely bullshit. Like her, her, she said that her sister definitely believed in the theory, but that there was no truth to it. An LA detective also says that it was completely unfounded because her story did not match the details of the case at all. In all reality, what I think probably happened is she was sexually abused by her father and kind of in this weird psychological protection thing, she decided that in her head her dad did kill the black dahlia you know sometimes brains do weird shit to protect you and that kind of thing is not is not an unheard of situation all that good fucking shit <laughs> jesus christ wow me coughing nice super cute uh, yeah, so that was complete bullshit. It wasn't real. Many believe that LAPD was part of a cover-up in some capacity because of just a lot of bullshit, again, with LAPD being corrupt. And plenty of rumors circulated about Elizabeth, making it much harder to tell what of the case was actually factual. According to a woman named Anne-Marie Stefano of the Portland Tribune, many substantiated stories have circulated about Short throughout the years. She, she, like... I mean, come on, she was a prostitute, she was frigid, she was pregnant, she was a lesbian, and somehow, instead of fading away over time, the legend of the Black Dahlia just keeps getting more and more intense, more convoluted, more bullshit. And I think she said, it was a quote by her, that it was 50% fiction, 25% investigation, or something like that. It was something about how, like, 25% of it was, like, maybe it was true, 50% of it was, like, complete bullshit, and then the rest of it is completely unsolved which I wholeheartedly agree with. Now, let us get into my final thoughts. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I think that all of the theories, other than maybe like one or two, are entirely shots in the dark. I literally do not have a substantiated opinion on who I think Elizabeth's killer was. I don't. And I don't think we're ever going to know. I true-heartedly, wholeheartedly, with all of my soul and being and everything I own and love, believe that we will never find out who Elizabeth's killer is. And that breaks my heart because she is never going to get the justice that she so much deserved. So much deserved. I think, again, all of the theories are bullshit. I, or most of them. I think some of them are pretty, like, like I said, like that first one, uh, the Hoddle guy who said that his dad was the Dahlia killer. Maybe. I think that's maybe. There is not a single theory I can look at and say, yes, this absolutely happened. Not one. Not one. And I think that sucks. I, I just, I think that because of media that we will never have all the facts and we're going to have too many people saying that they did it when they didn't. And, you know, maybe the real killer did confess and we'll just never know because he was in this sea of people confessing. Because, like, how are you supposed to take those confessions seriously at this point? You know, and it's been, it's been a long, long time. It's been fucking almost 20 years since she was born. It's been like 80 years since the case happened. And it's just heartbreaking that she's never going to get the justice that she very much deserves out of all of this. We're going to come back now to my thoughts on sens sensationalized cases that are completely taken advantage of by the media. I think, number one, it's unfair to victims because they don't care about who Elizabeth was as a person. They immediately branded her. They gave her a name, the Black Dahlia. They erased who Elizabeth was. They erased Elizabeth Short's name and called her the Black Dahlia. That's how people knew her. Not as, Eliz not as Elizabeth Short. They didn't know Elizabeth. They knew the Black Dahlia. And I can't stop saying it because it makes me so mad. It... <laughs> It's just so unfair to see this. Not only is it unfair to the victims, but it also makes it so hard to have a fair trial. It makes it so hard to investigate. Not only did they exploit pictures of Elizabeth's dead body, not only did they exploit her family for information in this heartbreaking time in their life, under the guise of being helpful, but they also made it so that people were confessing to a crime they didn't commit and drowning out anything that could be true. 
it wasted so much police time that could have been spent on finding the actual fucking killer and it is entirely the media's fault that that happened it's disgusting and it's sad and the fact that they would use people that way is so upsetting and we still see this a lot to this day i mean there's a lot of cases that one people are getting convicted purely based off the media's opinion and the bias that the media perpetuates and that's fucked up i mean we're gonna get so many people locked up for crimes they didn't commit just because the media told you that they were guilty and that is shitty and we're gonna have a lot of people who never get justice for their murders because of the same reason because the media told you what to think and it's fucked the fact that they decided to sit there and call Elizabeth a whore and a prostitute to say she was pregnant, to say she was a lesbian, all of these different things to just sensationalize what happened to her. It just makes me so mad. Media plays a vital part in true crime. It can be so important and so helpful. It can find people. It can really, really, really get information that is so necessary to be public out there. The media is so important to our country, to our democracy, to every democracy, and to everything. The media is so important, and their job should not be to get clicks. Their job should not be to get views. Their job should not be to sell papers. Their job should be to inform the public of what needs to be informed. And the fact that we have to skate around the media, and the fact that police have to be very careful about how they play different games, it's, it turns everything into a game, and that's so majorly the media's fault sorry all in all the black dahlia was a person her name was not the black dahlia her name was elizabeth fucking short she was a daughter she was a sister she was a human being with dreams and aspirations that got cut short because someone else made a judgment on her life someone else decided that what they wanted was more important than Elizabeth breathing, than her existing. If we only remember her as the Black Dahlia, then her killer has won. It is so clear that all he wanted was attention. So clear. He erased her name. He took her life from her. He took a daughter. He took a sister from people. He took friends. He took a family member. Instead, I find it so important to remember that she did have friends and she did have a family and that they had someone that they loved ripped from them in the most gruesome and disgusting way. This woman was not just killed. She was cut in half and staged for the world. This was entirely for attention and now we're focusing on the killer and the name that he has given her over who Elizabeth was as a person. He cut her face. He cut her body. He killed her. And yet somehow that wasn't enough because he had to take her entire fucking identity from her. And that, that makes me so angry. I hope anyone who is part of media in any way, whether you're a journalist, a reporter, whether you read information from a fucking teleprompter, I hope you understand that you play an important part. So please, I would like to remind people, I, I understand that this is a little deep and a little deeper than I tend to get. I just absolutely hate to think of victims' lives being completely overshadowed. Instead of knowing who Elizabeth is as a person, instead of spreading her story, instead of spreading who's, who Ted Bundy's victims were, Instead of talking about the people that John Wayne Gacy killed. Instead of talking about Ed Kemper's victims. And I, I, I as well, because I am so interested in true crime and I like to report these stories. I like to talk about them. I like to spread information on them. We all play a part. Which is exactly why I do my best to name every victim. To talk about who they were and as much information as I can find on who they were as people. Because their entire lives... Elizabeth was 20 years old. That is 20 years. We're overshadowed by her final moments on this earth instead of being remembered as who she was. People don't remember that she was an actress. People don't remember that she was a waitress, that she was this human being, this complex human being as complex as you and I. They instead remember her as this body, this corpse that was cut in half 
and displayed to the public. <laughs> I hate that. Anyways, sorry, I went off on a, a bit of a tangent there. I just think it is really heavily important to talk about this subject, especially with what I'm doing. I, I run a podcast where I talk about these killers. I do. And I I can understand how some people might be confused by my feelings on this and how I feel so angry about people being exploited because some people might see what I'm doing as exploiting victims. And here, I, I, I want to take a moment to explain to you what my hopes are with this podcast. Yes, I would love to make money on this podcast. I would love that. It would, there's nothing I would want more. And what I want more than anything is to make that money so that portions of it specifically can go back to victims, can go back to opening cold cases or helping women get legal help or anything I can possibly do. I don't want to sensationalize these people. I want to bring awareness to what happened. Because yes, there is something interesting about the final moments and how fucked up things can get in this world. It's interesting. I'm not going to lie. I'm interested in it. I watch documentaries day and night. I fall asleep to true crime podcasts most nights. However, what I want to do is not sit here and memorialize these killers and glorify them to be these, these things that are not human. People talk about serial killers as if they're monsters. They, they say Ted Bundy was a monster. They say that the killer of the Black Dahlia was a monster. They say that the killer of all of these people are monsters, but they're not monsters. And I, I fucking hate that we dehumanize them. And the reason that I hate that we dehumanize them isn't because they deserve to be seen as human. It's because they are human beings with beating hearts. And they deserve to be seen as the same as everyone else no better like they think they are they think they are good enough to take people's lives they think they are good enough to cross judgment on these people and take everything from families and friends and just everyone in these people's lives and i think it is important to sit here and realize that they are not monsters they are not these villains of the story they are just people and they don't deserve to be memorialized or glorified or seen as attractive if you are a fan of a serial killer, you have a problem. You have mental problems. Get help. What this podcast is made to do is to live, is to help these victims live on as the people they fucking were. And yes, we're going to talk about what happened to them because it's interesting and it's crazy and it's wild. But I, I, I do this because I want to talk about how fucking important all of this is. I want to raise awareness. I want to talk about all this shit. And I am so appreciative that all of you have been so willing to hear me <laughs> ramble. I mean, shit, for the past fucking 10 minutes, I've just been going on and on about how angry it makes me. And I appreciate that. So with all of that, you know my opinion on the whole situation. You've heard the story. I'd love to know what you think. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode of Crime and Calamity. It is one that I am very clearly passionate about. Let me know what you think in the comments or at our email, which is crimeandcalamity at gmail.com. And all of my social media will be in the description below. Massive thank you to Sergi for producing this podcast for me. I am currently using his microphone and his program to record. So I appreciate that a lot. And I will see you guys on the on next week. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening.